0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and sitting across from me, coming up
1: on midnight here in New York, Ben Gover. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. The oldest sports radio gimmick in the book is having a show called the Fifth Quarter. In your post-game <laughs> show breakdown. I feel like we just played 48 minutes of like up and down a high octane basketball, like, you know, run and gun style. We did a what? A four-hour draft show? We exchanged takes on every pick, many of whom, the players, we had not a a real clear understanding of who they are as people, but we're going to bring a condensed best of the best version of our draft show to this podcast for our listeners, the winners and losers.
0: We're going to do our best. Can I tell you my favorite part of the video show? Please. So typically on this podcast, you are the are Mr. Information. Okay. Okay. And uh, there was a role reversal because I am a draft nerd and know a decent amount. I I know less about oh. this class than so I had in past me? years. So I was the idiot. Is you were up there
1: really. I don't know. I, I'm not going to say you were full bullshitting, but uh, no. <laughs> it was good. Well, we should start there because it sounds like you're calling me a loser on the winners <laughs> and losers. And I want to know, what was the take that I had that made you the most – Where did I stray from reality?
0: Well, it was the second half of the first round where you were really kind of shooting from the hip and not necessarily working with the base of knowledge that you're generally bringing to the table, but I
1: loved it. Okay, well, you're going to just take generic digs at me. Give me some examples. Um, I would say everything past pick
0: 25. Musa to the Nets is when you really just kind of gave up. And well,
1: uh... oh, come on. <laughs> the Nets gave up four years ago. Why am I going to put more heart into their uh, season than they are? Well, listen, the point is the video show was a success. Apparently it
0: did very well on Facebook and YouTube, Look, and if it was you're fun. Gonna, if
1: you're going to nitpick me, I get to nitpick you. You had a full-blown panic attack right before the Wizards <laughs> did their pick uh, we almost had to take a break we only had a few videos queued up to like buy us time for bathroom breaks and so forth and at one point you were clutching your knees to your chest praying that they didn't take michael porter jr for about 10 minutes your prayers were answered it got very very real there for a second because it just that felt like after a week
0: of telling michael porter jr jokes and now by the way i kind of feel bad and i hope he does really well here we go but look
1: God, it, the it guilt complex. Been... <laughs> Guilty sharp is the worst of all the sharps. It
0: was a roller coaster for sure. And the the prospect of him in Washington and me having to like talk myself in the next five years of Michael Porter became very real. Okay, And then the Nuggets saved us, and he's going to go be the new Wilson Chandler,
1: tantalizing and hurt for 30 or 40 games every year. Well, here's what I would say. My favorite part of the show was coming up with the nickname for you, the Ferris wheel, because... Uh, you weren't just the the grease pig where you change your opinion once or twice, sort of like a Ferris wheel when it spins around, it hits every spot on the clock dial as it went. Uh-huh. There was a couple of scenarios there, whether it was like the pick tipping controversy that you wanted to start and then, you know, extinguish. You changed your opinion on that topic at least four or five times you know, over the course of four hours. And then you did the same thing with multiple prospects, Andrew. OK, so most
0: people. Listen to this podcast. Probably did not watch the show.
1: Oh, they're getting the good stuff. So
0: what we'll do is summarize. The let's start. We're going to do winners and losers for about forty-five to fifty-five minutes, and I want to start with a pick tipping okay. because I did flip flop a bit. Mark Stein <laughs> was tipping <laughs> picks. Mark Stein was tipping picks, and I was happy for him because I've always been a fan of Mark Stein. And so, with the ceasefire declared across the rest of the media. I thought that there was an opening for him to really like shine tonight, and uh, he did for a little bit. But then Woj kind of did his thing, where he he was basically like picking different words and saying like guys are locked in, guys are lasered in, this and that. I just think the whole thing was kind of corny, and it's not necessarily a shot at Woj, although I guess it sort of is. But I pick tipping in general has become kind of a plague. And it's like cool for a couple picks. And then it kind of drains the energy. And I, like, I don't like any event that requires me to stare at my phone for three and a half hours.
1: I just like the 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 idea, the knowledge that there's somebody who works for Synonym, Synonym.com who is analyzing their web traffic and seeing somebody reload over and over, interested in, eyeing, <laughs> like they're searching all of these different, you know, Synonym... Uh, uh, verbs and clearly it's woge somewhere you know trying to like get his little list together because i guarantee you he, he prepared all those tweets
0: unquestionably he? unquestionably and he look if, if we're starting with winners and losers woge is a winner from the night i i'm just not as into like woge and sham's twitter where like there's this fan fiction war of and like everyone's cheering them to see how crazy they can get i don't know like I, I like just watching the draft and having that be dramatic in its own right, and it feels
1: like things have changed a little bit. So really cool. So you know all about the Brooklyn Nets pick, and you're not into the little Twitter beefs. Aren't you just like just, the coolest guy with the hottest takes? I just don't really care. I don't know. Do you feel, do you have any feeling
0: one way or the other about pick tipping? Uh, I, just, I don't see who it benefits, I guess.
1: I would just say this. It's news. If they get it five minutes earlier, it's news. I'm on the side of the journalists who say, you know, who would make the case that regardless of whether you're you're kind of scooping the television product, it should be allowed to be tipped. And I was actually with you, in all seriousness, Mark Stein's got a really good newsletter with the New York Times. Yeah, he does. Under the radar, maybe people haven't subscribed, you should subscribe. He brings it.
0: It's up there with the uh with the Ziller newsletter in terms of daily must reads. The um the thing the thing about the the news aspect of it is we're already watching like what's essentially like a a an exercise in NBA bureaucracy so this is like it's so boring that detracting from the little bit of drama we already have with the draft seems like it's a little bit counterproductive.
1: Okay, So I spent all day on Tuesday with Lonnie Walker and uh-huh. that will expand your mind, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I wanna kind of just throw out a theory. You tell me what you think. We have the screen experience, which is watching the draft on television. We have the second screen experience, which is the Twitter updates and who's scooping who and oh, ha ha ha, like the, the, the tweets are happening faster than the TV show we have in some cases people are now watching a third screen to watch like shows like our draft show or some other analysis of it going on i think life is all just one series of screens i don't think <laughs> that we should pinpoint any aspect of the entire multi-screen experience and say oh i wish that didn't happen i just think you have to open your mind to all of it that's fair i just think the whole thing's kind of corny but we can move on so, you didn't call me crazy, so I'm taking that like, as a win. Like, <laughs> hey, can I can I be real cuz you said okay, these these reporters are winners or, yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. The losers are us. I mean, we're all losers. That was a waste of time.
0: It was well, the losers
1: are definitely you and me. We just spent <laughs> 4 hours yelling at each other on but video. What I'm saying is, do you how many people do you think watched? Once we got to like pick 16 and there was no major trades and no yeah. real rumbles of major trades, don't you think the TV ratings went
0: yeah. And and we kind of ran into this with the finals a little bit where I think NBA media and the conversation around basketball has never been more entertaining and, and like consistently engaging. Um, but there's so much energy poured into talking about this stuff that sometimes it becomes you kind of feel the air let out of the room when when an event fails to deliver And that happened tonight. Like all week long, you had various writers and people in the know saying, this is an unpredictable draft. It could go a lot of different directions. Things things could get really wild.
1: And that never really happened. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Don't blame the people who thought that because sometimes stuff just doesn't materialize. Uh, I guess my point is, I always got angry when you tried to say the playoffs are boring, or I usually got angry, pushed back against, especially in the finals because of the incredible individual performances we got to see there. To me, if you're going to harp on anything being boring, it was a draft night where uh, the, the one really interesting trade Basically, Atlanta and Dallas. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew it was going to happen on Tuesday. Basically, right? Yeah. Well, so well I, d- I don't know
0: about Tuesday, but it but was early. Tipped. It was known. Yeah. This afternoon, we started to hear rumblings, and it made a lot of sense for both sides. And we'll get to that. In terms of the relative calm elsewhere, I think one of the things one of the things that was driving the lack of action on on Thursday night. Um, was probably that everybody is kind of in a holding pattern until Kawhi and LeBron start to move and and th- and things become clearer on that front. I mean, it's just hard. Teams with assets would be stupid to sort of push their chips into the middle until the, the guys at the top of the league make their decisions. And I think in some ways that kind of put a cap on, on what could have happened tonight.
1: I totally understand people who get, Fed up with us for making everything about LeBron. I know. On all roads lead back to LeBron. And, you know, what's the most guaranteed traffic that you can do? Write a column on LeBron. How right. many times do we write LeBron columns over the last two months every other day? I do think that the stagnation in this draft is all about people positioning for LeBron and the responses to LeBron. We saw the same thing in 2014. The NBA was just at a standstill. Nobody was signing. Everybody was waiting. The dominoes hadn't fallen. And as soon as he made his decision, everything happened afterwards. And I think San Antonio, smartly, is taking their time here. They're not doing the panic trade thing like Chicago last year, just like getting Jimmy Butler out of town. Obviously, it's a different situation, not completely comparable. Uh, But because they're taking their time, if you miss out on LeBron, you're hoping for Kawhi. If you miss out on both, you're hoping for Paul George. So any team that's sort of like one degree of separation away from LeBron has to be paralyzed at this point, unless they're making some other crazy trade that we couldn't think of to improve their chances at landing LeBron, and that just didn't happen.
0: Yeah, like, I don't blame a team like the Lakers, for instance, for just not doing anything, because you can't... Hey, <laughs> they drafted Mo Wagner,
1: <laughs> Michigan's finest. Can we talk
0: about Mo Wagner for a minute? <laughs> yeah. Because one of the things... I didn't realize how how far down the rabbit hole I am with, like, Lakers exceptionalism and Lakers dreams yeah. until they picked Mo Wagner, because I... like. I like Mo Wagner and would have liked him on a, on a bunch of different teams, but the Lakers team that I'm envisioning next year is spending like $250 million on superstars and then filling out the rest of the roster with like rookies and guys right off the street. Yeah. And Mo Wagner is would be a fit in a number of contexts, probably is not a guy who can be out on the court against the Warriors. And so I would have liked them to go – like a Robert Williams direction yeah. and just get get someone who can rim run and actually hang out there.
1: Is it a reach to think that like part of their pitch is like look LeBron we know we're not going to have the depth but like, if Mo Wagner can do anything, it's that he can be a really poor man's version of Kevin Love, just standing in the corner and shooting <laughs> yeah, three pointers. Do like, <laughs> you think that at all influenced their decision? You know, I don't know if I don't know if LeBron is looking for the next Kevin
0: Love in their <laughs> team, but perhaps, perhaps that was part of it. It'll be interesting to see whether they keep him too, because they, if they are gonna really like go superstar hunting, they're gonna probably need as much salary as they can, and maybe Wagner's a the guy they
1: can trade. It felt like, when in doubt, add shooting, too. Like, yeah. you don't know which superstars you're going to get, but whoever you do get, assuming you get some, you're going to need shooting, and maybe that's why they went that direction as well. While we're doing deep cuts at the bottom of the first round. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> we, 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 we bury the lead and promote the, the esoteric so much yeah, on this podcast. The
0: winners are Woj, the losers are us, and Mo, and I guess Mo Wagner is a winner, Um I did really like the Rockets picking up D'Anthony Melton in the second round, but I know that's not going to move the needle for you, but D'Anthony Melton has been one of my favorite sleepers in the draft, and they just picked him. So congrats to Daryl Morey for being smart again. Yeah,
1: one of my least favorite moments from the draft show is when you completely brushed off Houston's ability to go seven games with Golden State and said that they never had scared the Warriors. That was <sighs> too hot. <laughs> we
0: don't need, we're not going to go back down that ro-
1: road. All right. Top of the draft. Let's talk about it. I like that. Let's discuss this. Um, Fifteen minutes in, we're getting to the first pick, (laughs) just like the real draft. So we can talk
0: about the Suns in a little bit. I feel like the winner of the draft for me. I really liked what the Hawks did. Um, Which side of that trade did you like more, Hawks or Hawks or Mavs?
1: It's tricky. I my first inclination is to say if you have the number five pick in the draft order, and you come out with who I think is the best prospect overall, mm-hmm. and Luka Doncic, I feel like you're the winner. Yeah. Uh, I also would, you know, couch that by saying I kind of like the protections they put on the pick that they gave up to. If it had been a little bit more lightly protected, I, I think I would have been more nervous and, and been more hesitant. But I think Doncic really checks what they need for like the next era uh, in Dallas. And I can understand Atlanta's thinking too. I don't think Atlanta got... You know, screwed by any sense. I mean, to me, it's sort of like. I mean, I really think that at the time the Boston Philly deal was more of a win-win when it happened than it looks now because Fultz completely fell apart, and you couldn't have predicted that. But I kind of liked Philly's thinking at the time. I did too. I I so and I liked Boston's thinking at the time. So I, I think I can justify that trade from Atlanta's side and Dallas's side. I just think I am much more inclined to believe Doncic is going to be a high-level, all-star-level player. I'm a little bit more skeptical of Trey, and so that's why I would, I would side with Dallas.
0: Yeah, and you know what else? The Mavs can't be trusted to tank effectively again because Rick Carlisle is just not wired that way. And so it would have really hurt in a draft with three to four, depending on how you feel about Jaron Jackson Jr., with three to four like potential stars. To come come in after a year of tanking and get nobody yeah. with that kind of upside would have been really tough, and the Mavs avoided that. and uh, And Trey Young would not have been a fit in Dallas because they're bought in on Dennis Smith Jr. And I think if you're if you're gonna kind of take a risk and like because if they if they do give up the pick next year, let's say it's six or seven or eight, like. Next year's draft is not super deep. It's really early, but I, there's not a lot of guys on the board that look that enticing right now. And so, going to get Doncic is a big win for them. Totally. I also love the fact that Atlanta recognized that, that like, that Trey Young has real star potential, um, and they're going to have to figure out what to do with Dennis Schroeder. I don't know who's going to try to take him, but uh, but if you like Trey Young, being able to maneuver and and actually extract some real value for the years to come and and get the guy you want is also always a big win
1: i think that makes it a win 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 for us because i think as observers not only do we get to see how the shooter experience plays out (laughs) we also get to see how the dennis smith jr experience plays out and i think that is sort of like the takeaway is both those guys got a little screwed uh by this deal i just think i mean positionally like okay luke is not a point guard right but yeah you've got to figure they're going to be running a lot through him and they're going to be trying to play him up as the focal point of the offense maybe not immediately day 1 but pretty soon right and mm-hmm. that there's going to be some tension there you know how well can Dennis junior play off of somebody if he's not the main guy i think that's an open question yeah
0: i think Dennis it the way i i'm really excited to watch it with the with the caveat being that it could be a disaster that,
1: that's what i'm saying but, i'm a little worried about the downside but i also the upside could be awesome. You know?
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a chance that like it could be like early years Westbrook and Harden, where, uh, which is actually like uh,
1: there's no way they're going to be that good. But Careful. <laughs> Easy, Tiger. Well, let me ask you this, though. We've mocked Dallas's irrelevancy for years. Yeah. We've said there's basically no reason to pay attention. I think even that tension between the two of those guys – makes them very relevant, doesn't it? Like aren't you now much more likely to watch Dallas next season than you would be if they had just taken Jaron Jackson or, you know, Wendell Carter or whoever else had been available had they not made that trade?
0: A hundred percent. And also coming into this draft, I think you and I talked about it. I don't know whether we talked about it on the podcast or not, but like there was so much hand wringing about sending guys to Sacramento and Memphis and some of these sort of outlier markets. But Dallas belongs in that conversation. I mean, they haven't been winning. Dallas is not like a, a huge market. And they've kind of been skating by using the Dirk mystique and Cuban and everything else. But they were th- on the verge of sort of irrelevance. And, uh, well,
1: not only irrelevance, but shame. I mean, John Wertheim ripped that franchise oh, well, to yeah. shreds. You know, and so they have to deal with that. They have to deal with like Carlisle's got this knock for not being able to de- de- develop young players. You've got Dirk weird stage of his career it's the longest like afterglow we've seen could be longer than kobe's afterglow and we know how ugly that got um i think the one guy who i want to call a winner is actually one of our listeners named kirk He's emailed us a lot of Mavericks <laughs> questions over the years. Kirk is an old friend, and he is a psychopath <laughs> r- with respect to Luka Doncic. Yes. He is the most unbearable Doncic stan on the internet. So here's the question. Did he get a Doncic jersey custom printed already, or did he just go for the back tattoo with Doncic's name across the back?
0: You know what? He sent me a video of his son tonight saying Luka Doncic. <laughs> and, um, his first words? Yeah, it's like a, a two-year-old or three-year-old son. and I'm. I'm very 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 happy for him, See? and I also feel like this is a win for Luka Doncic as well because totally. he's he's going to have a lot of eyes on him and Dallas. The one thing you we have to give them credit for is when they do have a star and do have something the market, they're very good at it.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. They deserve to be in the credit of like dead end franchises, like you mentioned with Orlando and Sacramento. These places have just been spinning their tires and getting nowhere. However. When you look at market size, when you look at track record of winning, when you look at spending by ownership, when you look at quality coaching, uh, the types of things that would appeal to high-level prospects, they check a lot of those boxes in ways that Orlando, Sacramento, and Memphis at this current point just don't check. And so if, if you're Luca, I don't think there was a spot in the top five. Perhaps with the exception of you know teaming up with his old coach in Phoenix, where yep. you know that would have been a, a more personal touch. But even then, I think I'd rather be in Dallas. I than think, Phoenix. yeah.
0: If if he had had his choice, he would have chosen the Mavs.
1: And the one thing I would add, you talked about
0: quality coaching coming in as a rookie under Rick Carlisle is going to be interesting for him. He has been a star at every level and is going to come in with a lot of justified. um self-confidence and I don't know Carlisle if you if you asked me to look around the league and pick like the three toughest coaches to deal with as a rookie
1: uh, he would be he would be right up there I mean I think Lucas top three shameless gunner in the draft it's like him Lonnie
0: <laughs> well he 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 moves the ball Trey, right? he moves the ball no, but he he's used to shots, he's man. used to winning on his t- his own terms and they could butt heads yeah, but right. that's another reason to watch the maps next year
1: He's an excellent passer, excellent playmaker. Major reasons why I like him. But when the shot clock's low, he trusts himself, right? Right. I mean, he takes some pretty wild, you know, step back left, right. He's missing rim on occasion. And uh, <laughs> we'll see how, uh, you know, Carlisle responds to that.
0: One other thing the Mavs drafted another sleeper I liked. I think Jalen Brunson's going to be really solid. So good job, Dallas. Let's move on.
1: Although, you know,
0: his dad's legal trouble, that's, uh, yes, it's
1: been pretty sketchy. Equal (laughs) crossing of streams with, uh, with the Mavericks, but Uh, we'll just leave it there. Stay
0: away. Um, the Magic, I am not thrilled about the fit for Mobamba there. I think we've talked about it a little bit. I would have loved, 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 loved to see Mobamba as the center of the future in Chicago alongside my guy, Lowry Markinen. Didn't quite get there.
1: Or what about like New York? I mean, imagine if he had fallen there, and now you're just dealing with just insane amounts of. Length. Apparently, they liked him. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm just saying, like, this is another situation where once you start listing off all the teams that would be better uh, than the place where he landed, that says a lot about the place he landed. Yeah. It?
0: So, do you think the Magic are winners or losers? Because you like Bamba. <sighs> I like for B- whatever reason.
1: I like Bamba a lot. I just think very high upside and just you know yeah. freakish and. I also think when I look at their roster, and they've been bad for so many years, it's really hard to say this, but I think he's the most valuable asset they've got uh, no, right now, like from day one. I mean, just given his potential now. I do air-
0: sometimes worry a little bit about John Hammond. Like, yeah. he, he made the Giannis pick. He loves length, man. I, he's since then, like, I, I think we need to sit down and have a talk with John Hammond. Like, yeah. there's not another Giannis. Like, Thon Maker is not going to be it. Yeah. Jonathan Isaac is not the guy. And, and Mo Bamba, maybe he's better than those guys. I think he yeah. probably will be, but I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's what I'd say is, like, I don't like the fit necessarily with Bamba and Aaron Gordon. I don't necessarily like the fit with Bamba and Isaac. The fact that they still have Vucevic and Biambo is, just clouds everything. They already had too many bigs. You're adding another big. So this is serious roster crunch, but I think they're going to be able to work their way out of some of those with trades. And when you're just looking at like age upside, how much you have to pay the guy, I think Bamba enters there as their best asset. And if that's the case, I think you have to trade him. I think it's not just like- Or sorry, you have to draft him. I think it's not just a case of like, they're drafting best player available. I think they're drafting like, best asset to the organization and i think that they're probably operating under the assumption that the coffers were so empty when they inherited you know the new regime inherited from uh hennigan yeah that they just have to replenish it and take I, their lumps in the short term
0: i understand that you shouldn't let fit dictate your behavior and yeah. in a situation like this but the magic have had such horrible fits for the last like five years that as a fan, and not even a fan, I watch maybe one and a half Magic games per year at this point. But just, like, a little bit of coherence would have been nice. What, I, at what, this you're, point, what you're
1: really trying to say is, after suffering through the Alfred Payton experience for, like, three and a half years, just draft somebody who can shoot and dribble.
0: Yeah, go get Trey Young, or in, in Trey Young was off the board, so... Wendell Carter and and Jonathan Jonathan Isaac pair pretty well together in theory, and I think Wendell Carter is super skilled and um, would have been a nice gamble here. Bamba has higher upside. I, what do you think they do with Aaron Gordon? I would press eject on uh, on the Aaron Gordon experiment at this point.
1: Well, you know, there's been a lot of calls, hey, go small, go small, have Gordon as your five. Just defensively, I really like Gordon as a player overall, but I just don't think defensively he's good enough to play the five yeah. for big minutes. And so I think it his fit with Bamba as sort of like their four or five of the future will depend on whether he can continue to be that knockdown three-point shooter. If he can, I think that's an okay place to start. The problem is it doesn't matter how well your four and five fit together if you don't have anything approaching a star at the one, right? Or right. at least a lead ball handler. So I almost don't even... I think they should just pay Gordon, bring him back, try to trade some of those other pieces that I mentioned earlier to clean clean the, uh, the decks a little bit. But... They're in for another ugly season. Period. Yeah, I I mean, unless they swing some miracle trade for a lead playmaker, I just don't see
0: it. And I really like Aaron Gordon and think he'll be good on his next team. I've just given up hope that they're ever going to figure out how to use him in Orlando. And the Bomba pick doesn't really give me much more hope.
1: Well, you know, they they are on their like sixth coach of Aaron (laughs) Gordon's (laughs) tenure. Maybe he'll be able to
0: unlock it. Come on, give him a fresh start, like our guy Dwight. Um,
1: Moving on grizzlies you know by the way dwight starts a little too fresh i mean (laughs) very (laughs) fresh his starts have never been fresher it's gonna be real what do you think uh is he gonna be in in like portugal by next season i mean (laughs) where is he getting his next deal i don't know um grizzlies there was a lot of smoke
0: and no trade i think there's still a chance they could move that they could move jaron jackson and i just and if if anything if they do want to move him and try use him to try to get use that pick to try to get off Parsons' deal, Jaron Jackson Jr. was the right guy to take because he's going to have a lot of value to a, a bunch of teams around the league, at least for the next couple months. And then once he plays, I think he's pretty far away, and I think his value is going to be kind of cut in half, um, and particularly to a Grizzlies team that at least publicly has talked about wanting to win now.
1: Is this a hedge move? Are they thinking it like- It felt like a hedge move. Okay, so they're drafting him now so that they can work him along slowly if they keep him. And then whenever Gasol exits stage left, he's now the guy. I mean, can they play he's, him with the, Gasol? Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I don't really see it. I don't know if I see it. He's super talented. And of all the big guys, uh, the one he's the one that you don't have to worry about fitting in with like the modern game. But you do have to worry about like, can this guy score 15 points a game? It's like, yeah. what, what are you really getting?
1: Yeah, you mentioned like Orlando not going for a guy like Trey Young. And I know we had talked like six months ago, like they need some star power, some zest, you know, something yeah. to give like the fans excited about. I also wonder if there's going to be some second guessing on the Trey Young stuff in Memphis because like their owner comes out and he puts this like 50 win expectation on the team, right? And yep. he's he's basically banking this on Conley, Gasol, and Parsons his three biggest salaried guys, all who have injury concerns, all of whom are, you know, old. I mean, Parsons isn't old, but he's been out of the, you know, yeah. major rotation for so long They he might as well be 35, right? Is there a scenario you could <laughs> see where, like, Conley in two years just has that natural age-related decline. He's making the huge amounts of money. They don't have anyone else. And they look back at this draft night and they think, man, like, that was our opportunity to really reload with a high-level point guard who, you know... Had they had a little bit of foresight, they could take a Trey Young. Yes. And, you know, he let's say in two years, you know, he's established himself as a starter. Is there going to be regrets? Because they took this big in Jaron Jackson who, yeah, he could turn out to be something. But he could also be one of these guys who, you know, the the idea of him or the theory of him is better than the actual player yeah. winds up being. Right? And
0: that scenario would dovetail with almost everything else we've seen from the last, like, 10 years of Grizzlies drafts. So... For their sake, I hope that doesn't happen, but it's definitely a real concern. I wouldn't call them losers, but they also didn't win as much as they could have uh, Thursday night.
1: How many guys would you have taken instead of Jaron Jackson?
0: Um, at four? Correct. I would have taken Trey Young, but no one beyond that.
1: So not uh, Bamba?
0: No, not Bamba and not Wendell Carter. I think I think Jaron Jackson, there's enough upside there, particularly if you envision yourself being a good team. I just don't love the fit next to Marcus All. so like I'm not I'm not sure what the plan is there.
1: But can I ask you a question about Marcus Saul? Please do. Um a couple years ago, high level all defensive type player, defensive player of the year candidate. After what you just saw in the playoffs, I'm going to give you 75 healthy games for Marcus Saul next season. I'm going to give you pretty close to their 50 win uh threshold their owner put out. I'm going to say you get 47 wins. So you don't have home court in the in the west, but you're in the first round of the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Is he getting played off the court?
0: It's a concern. I mean, he definitely looked a, a step or two slower this year. I don't want to read too much into this season because he was openly mailing it in for a team that was openly tanking for the at least the second half of the season. Yeah.
1: So And he didn't have Conley. And, and Conley really unlocks a lot for him. Yeah. But here's my counter. I mean, the Grizzlies mailed in their coaching search, didn't they? I mean, they responded. <laughs> like It was like, let's take turns. Who can mail it in more? <laughs> can
0: I ask you something? This is a little embarrassing. Yeah. Who is actually coaching the Grizzlies uh, right now? Bigger Staff. Bigger sta- Okay, yes. So I remember... He had this like hostage look in his eyes, <laughs> giving interviews about their taking oh, yeah. down oh, the stretch. Yeah. And I, I thought to myself, like, maybe this dude has already been promised that he's going to take over no, no matter yeah. what happens. See,
1: that's the look I wanted from the Bucks officials when they explained why they drafted Giannis's brother based on his talent, not on his relationship to Giannis. You <laughs> yeah. know, you have to be able to lie with that straight face. It's really sometimes tough. that that requires zoning out completely, but. They did though. I I wouldn't be thrilled if JB J. Bickerstaff
0: was my coach.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. If if you're Marcus Saul and clearly you expressed a lot of unhappiness to basically everyone last mm-hmm. year and they're they're rolling it back with the same group with, you know, a pretty hot, you know, very young, high upside big, but young. Yeah. Not going to give you
0: it. A... solidly 2 years away from being yes. anything that matters.
1: Exactly. And your owner's saying, "Okay, go out there and do it with the same mess of guys that you had last year." Aren't you just even angrier than you were six months ago? Right. Like, and you have no money it?
0: to spend because you could not get off a Parsons deal. Bingo. And yeah. Sounds like a great mix. <laughs> okay, so maybe the Grizzlies are the losers. Marcus is
1: definitely losing. I walked you straight to the conclusion all right, I wanted. All
0: right. Um one more before the break, Michael Porter Jr. He's in the loser category. Oh no,
1: Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think he is the headline of the draft other than the draft being boring yes michael porter jr going from possible number one pick 12 months ago to the last guy in the lottery selected is the headline uh from this draft uh, we had already raised questions in the last podcast about did he mishandle coming back you know too early should he have handled things differently uh, a lot of teams that i thought would just rationalized taking him. Mm -hmm. Just didn't. (laughs) And by the time he got to Denver, I actually think Denver winds up being winners here because they barely missed the playoffs. You rarely get a shot when you're in that range to get a top five level talent. I think for all the knocks that we've listed on Michael Porter, I think he is that, you know, I would be pumped to get him at 14. Um, Oh, I think you should be elated to be able to get him at 14. But I think if you're his people, like, you're thinking, oh, I mean, if, if you're him, you think you're Giannis or Katie, and now you're backing up Paul Millsap. <laughs> I also think that NBA
0: teams are pretty smart and, and understand the value of, of upside, and for him to slip as far as he did, scary. the medical stuff had to be very, very real. Can I ask you— Like, you, it wasn't just they saw the quotes on Twitter and were like, we don't want any part of this dude.
1: I agree. Do you think his personality might have uh, rubbed people th- the wrong yeah. way? If anyone got a bad knock, personality-wise— over the last week, I thought it was him.
0: Yeah, maybe. But I, I do think that it's just terrifying to draft a 19-year-old yeah. with the back issues that he's had. And that was borne out on draft night. With Denver, though, I think – I I mean, we were talking about it a little bit earlier. They – screwed up the Donovan Mitchell situation so badly that I really do feel like that is going to kind of haunt them the same way Evan Turner's deal haunts this Blazers era yeah I don't know if they're ever going to kind of live it down however this is the type of gamble that could kind of swing things back in the other direction if it if it pays off for them
1: see I think the Mitchell uh trade winds up being the move that keeps him from being contenders Mm -hmm. but I think that their young guys Jokic murray and harris especially murray have enough untapped upside where to me they could be a top five seed in the western conference uh you know and for them after missing the playoffs for all these years and barely missing out last year that's a win right so i think that mitchell trade it like collapses their ceiling a little bit yeah it doesn't prevent them from being a much better version than they are right now and i think porter you know regardless of whether it takes him a season to get his body right, or you just limit his minutes or whatever it is. I think they're in position to kind of manage his role in a way that a team that might take him at five or six just wouldn't have been able to do.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, uh, good luck to Michael Porter jr. Because after, two weeks of telling jokes
1: about him i guess i I'm, think he needed a wake-up call man
0: i'm now rooting for him though to to that, go be awesome that, that's
1: fine but do you think he's gonna take the right message from this like you know his comments were out of line he should not have compared himself to Giannis and KD <laughs> to say he bangs better than KD. come on
0: man i thought that was kind of funny he does just kind of come off uh but he
1: wasn't joking yeah well <laughs> that's the problem and i and i think sometimes you need a rude awakening and i think he got it and we'll see how he responds from it i would Hope that he responds the right way, but I think um, he walked into this one a little bit.
0: All right. Well, tonight's episode of Open Floor is brought to you by One Blade. So Ben, I'm gonna let you tell us about One Blade.
1: Andrew, these are elite, a list, <laughs> top pick razors, Luca level razors. You got yours. I got mine. We both marveled at them. We loaded them up with the blades. They give you a ridiculously close shave. If you want to look your best, check out One Blade Razors. If you ever if you've ever had a professional shave from the barbershop, you know how it can change not only how you look, but also how you feel. Andrew, you're gonna feel like a million bucks with baby smooth skin, the confidence <laughs> you feel knowing that you look great. Now, you can get the same barbershop feeling at home with the One Blade Razor.
0: I will say two things about One Blade. Number one, you have to be very careful because this is a real razor. This is like no disposable
1: bs razor Andrew, it's a weapon of war <laughs> exactly. for, for your whiskers so if you're going to battle with your whiskers you want one blade on you yourself.
0: gotta come correct otherwise you can end up cutting yourself but it's the closest shave i've ever had in my life hey and but it, stick I, to the script i feel very classy <laughs> and uh clean after the one blade shaves anyways it will give you the best shade of shave of your life no razor burn it's been obsessively engineered to be the optimal tool for performance shaving which I didn't even know was a thing until I tried one blade
1: You've it's... never done the speed shaving it's like <laughs> speed eating you know you, you shove those hot dogs down your mouth and then you just like quickly shave yourself. That's... I've been doing it for a few years. I don't want to brag, but I'm, I'm pretty well ranked. Well, it's
0: heirloom quality. You can pass it down for generations. Each one is hand-assembled. And every one Blade razor is backed by a full 60-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty. So if you're ready to have the best shave of your life, visit OneBladeShave.com slash floor. Try it. Give it some time. And if it isn't the best shave of your life, simply return it. Visit OneBladeShave.com
1: slash floor. Floor. Great news, Andrew. They're not going to return it. OneBladeShave.com slash floor. And they've got all the accessories, too. You know when you really invest in something nice, you want to have the accessory kit packages? They've got kit packages, Andrew. Check them out.
0: There we go. All right. Suns. I think the Suns were winners. The I like the Mikhail Bridges move in the middle of the second round. The Dante DiVincenzo was a momentary loser with the fake-out from Phoenix. Um.
1: You know- you were really mad at me on the draft show for what I said about DeAndre Ayton because I was just asking. You're out. No, no, no. Questions. You're out.
0: You're I, out. You've I'm, been hedging on the podcast, but deep down you are very much out on DeAndre Ayton. It's it's fine.
1: Uh I'm just out on him being the guy that you definitively take over Doncic, and I just feel like they shortcutted it. Yes. Do you feel like they gave anyone else a real serious consideration at one besides Ayton? No, and I and think that's a problem.
0: I I yeah, that's fine. I, I think if you want to question the process of the both the Kings and the Suns, you I could absolutely do it. I <laughs> everything about the Suns all
1: the time. I'm always raising questions about them. Yeah.
0: I, what I would argue is that there's no real superstar in this draft, and Aiton will probably come the closest of getting there. And if you're nitpicking him as a player and a prospect, saying that Doncic was the guy is the wrong way to go about it. I think... What's what's more convincing to me is that DeAndre Aiden may not think the game well enough and process the game quickly enough on both ends to be super effective. I thought he, he was called out by Joel Embiid tonight, which was actually long overdue. Winner, Joel Embiid. <laughs> no, no question, okay? Because the Embiid comparisons are going a little bit overboard. In Absolutely. Terms of They're going Aiden. overboard.
1: I mean, defensively, Embiid is elite really? is is go bear level i mean he's basically yeah i'd say go bear one elite uh and 2 but you know there's there's a separation but it's not gigantic and i think to just tell someone who's not really shown it and didn't really play the position and doesn't have the credentials that oh he's just going to be Embiid is definitely selling and short i like that he took those comparisons personally and i also like that he's just on a mission find rivals it's like he slayed (laughs) he slayed Hassan Whiteside Andre Drummond people forget he even exists anymore because the Pistons missed the playoffs and so MB's just out there hunting for somebody who he can pick on and I gotta be honest head to head I think uh Aiton's getting work next year when they play and I'm I'm gonna be watching both those games I think it's gonna be ugly and I'm just concerned not only about some of the awareness stuff that you're mentioning does he love basketball? And you have not answered that question to me in a way I feel comfortable saying Phoenix, a team that needs to have this kind of like locked in franchise cornerstone type player. And Uh I know you might say Devin Booker's that guy. He just hasn't shown to be that guy quite yet. This is their best draft pick, their first number one pick in decades. Does he have the personality, the intangibles, the makeup to be the guy who you just automatically take at number one. That's my question.
0: I think that's a fair question, but it's also one that could be applied to like 90% of big men who hit the league. And yep. and it like not even... I mean, Shaq didn't really love basketball the way someone like Kobe did. And Dwight, the same difference. And I don't want to compare DeAndre Aiden to yeah, Dwight. Yeah, you do. Because no. I, th-
1: I think there was more Dwight in him than Shaq.
0: I, I mean, I guess so. I'm just saying they're like... Big big guys. How
1: about this? Will he have a better career than Dwight? I say no.
0: uh, I mean, Dwight was amazing for eight years, so that's a that's a high standard.
1: But I think well, the number one pick comes with a high standard.
0: If you're asking me what kind of career Aiton will have, I would predict somewhere between uh, Andre Drummond and Joel Embiid, which is a really really good player and will be. A hundred times better than Alex Lynn and uh, Alex Len and the the ghost of Tyson Chandler.
1: Well, look if you are drafting uh, Aiton on the basis that he's not Alex Lynn, I can't fault you. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I can't fault you for that. But... I, I think the the perceived faults in in
0: Aiton and the Aiton narrative will become an issue when you are trying to go from like. 45 or 50 wins to 60 wins and that is a that's a bridge that the suns will cross when they get there i think it's a luxury problem if you're phoenix
1: i think that's a good point on the team progress i also think kind of push will come to shove for him individually when it becomes can you go from being like a top 10 center to being a top three center right that leap step and when do you see him being able to be on like an all-star level track i mean we know it's tougher in the western conference this and that but is he? How long is it going to take him to get there? Give it a couple years. I, I think the, yeah. the
0: the West is super deep. I mean, Carl Towns. I think did he make the All Star game last year? Uh, he did. Okay, so and then that was three years in. So give him give Aiden three or four years. Um, but look, I'm not I'm not the spokesperson for Aiden. I'm not like a hundred percent in mm, either. Kind of
1: seem like it. <laughs> uh, if you're backing me into this corner here, uh, uh, let me ask you: would the you, Suns are winners, though. I guess. Would you rather have Aiden? Or towns, uh,
0: I think Aiden actually projects like he might be better
1: on defense long term. But you'd you'd rather have towns?
0: Yeah, that's a high. Carl Towns made All NBA this year. No,
1: I know, but I'm well. You're taking a number one pick. Like you're making all these. I, excuses. Would I rather have
0: Aiden or Doncic if I'm Phoenix? I'd rather have Aiden. That that was the question. Yeah. I'd rather have Aiden.
1: Okay, I'd rather have Doncic. Okay, um, Sixers. Well, well, well. They had a busy night. Uh, yeah. Walk us through the trade scenario real quick.
0: Okay. So they tr- picked Mikhail Bridges yep. and they traded him to Phoenix for Zaire Smith um, <laughs> after Phoenix faked out Dante DiVincenzo and then did a deal with, with Philly. Unbelievable. Um, And they also picked up Miami's, I believe it's the 2021 unprotected first in the process
1: via Phoenix. Yes. Yeah.
0: Which is a pick that Phoenix has been selling for several years now as like a real juicy asset. I don't know. I I, I think the heat are are probably always going to figure out a way to be at least in the middle of the league, if not better. So I don't look at that as like that much of a win for Philly. Um,
1: well, hold on, because I'm hearing the the people trying to connect the dots. Okay, and maybe these guys are going so far, but they're saying, "Look, that's another first-round pick Philly has that they can throw, throw into yeah. a trade package for Kawhi Leonard." Does that feel like a reach? Um, no, it doesn't
0: necessarily. Okay. I, I think if I'm San Antonio, that's that's a selling point. Um, the thing is, I if I were Philly, I would not have taken Zaire Smith. It's the things that he. He is a really great athlete and has a lot higher upside than Mikhail Bridges, but I it, like I would have felt better if Philly had gone and grabbed DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo. Um,
1: Let me ask you this: Did we get any insight into who's making the pick, the decisions for Philly? Given that if if Brett Brown was making the decision, you would assume that they would probably just keep Bridges, right, and just not do this like trade for the future type thing yeah in, unless he knows the master plan for Kawhi or whatever else is like already in the works and we should add though it's probably a good sign that it's not brett brown making the decision
0: because co- I, would, I wouldn't want my coach making the decision on a, on a deal like that so
1: we think that philly's assistant gm or whoever's probably GM. mark eversley yeah yeah
0: um but it's just zaire smith we talked about it in in the middle of, of the first round. It's like Philly was one of the few teams at the top of the draft that had real stakes, and their decision was going to have a, a direct bearing on what happened next year and the next few years and, and I it, it like at the top of the league because this is a team that should be thinking about contending. And Zaire Smith feels like he's a couple years away. Can't really dribble. Shooting is streaky phenomenal athlete i he's he checks all my boxes but like if i were contending i would have looked for somebody who's a little bit more well-rounded
1: yeah they had a couple holes in their rotation didn't they during exactly the this is
0: a team that couldn't play bellinelli and was really like running out of wings and in, in a in a Eastern Conference I guess semifinals that was.
1: Was there face saving going on here after they did the, like the trade down last year or the trade up last year and it just blew up in their face were they trying to show did they overcorrect and say look we got burned so badly by that uh the way that the Fultz thing turned out that Perhaps. They just I, do the same I, trade in reverse to try to like get back on the good side of the uh, kind of cognizant or whatever. No,
0: I don't think that's why they did it and I and I but I do think that in theory, it made sense. They just chose the wrong guy with the second pick, yeah. and uh, and that, and that's fine. It probably like the difference between Divincenzo or some other wing and Zaire Smith
1: is not going to make or break the franchise. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, like perception of these moves. If you're a big time free agent or a guy who has the ability to de- de- determine his future, like a Kawhi, Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron. When you look at what Philly did for the draft, they didn't change your mind with anything today, did they? I mean like to make you more interested because you were you were trying to mean. well you were setting philly up as saying like they have real stakes Mm -hmm. like what they do has big implications like if you're lebron do you care about this move no do if you're paul george and you're thinking like would it make more basketball sense to go play there than basically any other team on the uh you know available in the market right does that change your mind no and i
0: don't think there was any anyone on the board who was going to do that what do you that's a good segue though um I think I guess we're we're neutral on the Sixers right now. I don't want to call them winners, but uh I think that like that
1: pick Can I ask you something about that pick? Do you think there's like an added intrigue to it because it's after 2020 and it's just like that seems so far in the future even though it's only 2 years away like <laughs> we've does... been like th- that like the allure of 2020, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like Oh my God! Like we're gonna have flying cars and you know (laughs) drone girlfriends and everything else, but in reality, it's probably gonna be just like what it is. Drone girlfriends, but you know, it's gonna be just like what it is right now, just two years in the future. That's
0: a great 1 a.m. Golliver take. (laughs) Maybe I don't know. You've been spending too much time with Lonnie Walker the fourth. I would say let's move on. Do you have? Give me 30 seconds on Colin Sexton. Do you care?
1: Well. Uh, I thought it was an interesting move. I thought that Cleveland would try to hedge, right? Yeah, and, I would have
0: hedged with Mikhail Bridges for the record, because Mikael yeah. Bridges can help if you keep LeBron, and if you're if you're losing LeBron, your team is going straight into the gutter for three years. So you want to just like get a couple guys who can be starters long term on a good team.
1: I felt like I, I actually agree with you. Uh, Every word you just said. That's so rare. I almost have to take a stop <laughs> well. and like pause and like, wow, like we're on the same page. This is getting goofy. I, I felt like Sexton was a little bit of a hedge though, because LeBron stays, you need someone who can dribble and like try to do something for himself, right? And isn't that essentially what his strength is? Yeah. Um. So that was such a hole. you look at their just their murderer's row of point guards. I mean, freaking. Derek Rose, Calderon, you know, George Hill, <laughs> when he was out of the lineup, it just got really, really ugly. Clarkson, and it's sort of like, well, is there someone that can plug in and give you some spot minutes in next year's playoffs at that spot to address that need for ball handling? Because if LeBron comes back, you're going to need that player and you're going to have a hard time finding it. Yeah. Most likely you're going to use whatever your best trade assets are to go get a wing defender, you know, Kawhi or Paul George or whatever, right? So that it kind of made sense is like lebron could see the the logic and why you would draft him right if lebron goes and you do a tear down you put the ball in his hands let him go wild you lose a bunch of games and you're tanking right yep so there you go it's a hedge
0: yeah he i mean as a player he is somewhere between reggie jackson i don't know so root canal reggie jackson and uh john wall and that's a good player if he's better than reggie jackson and not quite as good as john wall he'll be good i think he would have been awesome like 10 or 15 years ago when shooting was less important and the one thing he is exactly the type of player who other players will overrate so maybe that helps a little bit with lebron but i like i don't know what it, it, like cleveland pitching lebron isn't going to be able to sell basketball at this point unless they can like Somehow swing a Kawhi trade. They so, got to guilt
1: trip him with the Comic Sans. It's, huh? yeah, it's gonna be something else. <laughs> like laying it on um, real thick, like renaming the the Ohio River after him. I mean, they're gonna it, have to pull out some like heartstring stops. Yeah, don't?
0: or like promise him a piece of the franchise long term, which isn't totally out of the yeah, question. Th- that might be better than an honorary uh, title for yeah. <laughs> a river. Good call. Which, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. uh Colin Sexton is fine. Does not move the needle very much. Um, His
1: uh, outfit did though. Because because you, you pointed out he wore Alabama colors, yep. which happened to to uh, match perfectly with the quote-unquote wine, wine and gold. <laughs> and uh, his hat matched his jacket. I loved it. All right. Spurs. This is this is your...
0: It, it really was like all worlds colliding for you with San Antonio and Lonnie Walker.
1: It all came together. You spent the week with Lonnie <laughs>
0: Walker, heard a lot of like batshit crazy conspiracy
1: theories. I left... The day with uh, Lonnie Walker on Tuesday, very conflicted mm-hmm. because he's a nice kid. He was so young. There was just moments of like childlike glee, right? But then at the same time, he's very intelligent. He is understand kind of how to game the system by saying done stuff on Twitter to get a lot of attention. Yep. And he's leaning all the way into it, like really deeply into it. I wrote a long piece if you guys want to check it out. You know, He talks about how he doesn't believe the moon landing happened because like the pictures were too perfect he talks about how he believes adolf hitler kind of staged his suicide in 1945 with his wife um and there's more
0: really just never want to bring up hitler during draft week (laughs) not a great look
1: tough timing. (laughs) uh nevertheless he didn't scare off the spurs and what both. Lon- well, he had lottery talent. Yeah, he's very good. Both. Both Lonnie and his agent were kind of adamant in saying, "Look, when he does the interviews with the teams, the teams really think he's intelligent. and They like how he thinks. I think he know. is intelligent. Yeah. yeah. And you know, he told me, you know, kind of coming up, like he was sheltered by his dad, who's this huge math geek. He like basically told him, you know, an hour a day you got to spend working on your handwriting and your, you know, reading. And you know, he doesn't play video games. He doesn't really watch a ton of basketball. He, he likes to study. Tendencies and videos and stuff like that, but he's not watching, you know, 15 hours a game. He's not playing 2K until 4 a.m. in the morning, right? Yep. And so I think from San Antonio's standpoint, you're sort of like, look, immaturity and shot selection are things that they know how to deal with, right? Like they can coach you out of those things or they can kind of grow you up a little bit. Yeah. And the raw talent to be available where they drafted uh, in terms of his scoring potential, his burst ability uh you know to me it makes sense for their need it really did address a a pretty big need and they've needed
0: athleticism on the perimeter for honest to god 10 years well and
1: shot creation too right yeah Yeah, and i think that he's gonna be able to do that a little bit i think his people wanted him to go to san antonio they actually told me before the draft like that was their dream scenario and i kind of laughed about it after i had sort of spent all this time listening to his theories i mean First of all, we bonded over dolphins and birds. So like, there were moments where I was like, we were on the same wavelength. <laughs> Do you actually remember? I I threw out my my Stonehenge conspiracy theory to you like on a podcast like two years very,
0: ago. Very very early on in yeah. our run together. So that was one of my. I don't remember theories.
1: what it was. Well, it's just. Didn't you say the aliens? planted stone stonehenge well i don't know about that i that's a theory that's out there i don't know if i believe that one It's just really weird like the official story about how stonehenge was created just sounds really weird like they dragged <laughs> these tons and tons of rocks like hundreds of miles ben right? gulliver has questions so i said that but you know who knows but then when i was at stonehenge at 6 a.m there was witches and i told you about the witches who were practicing and dancing and spreading you know their their magic around the the rocks i told him this he was never more interested in me <laughs> than during that story. <laughs> he was all in on the Stonehenge talk. So I guess what I'm saying is, from San Antonio's perspective, I was surprised that they pulled the trigger, not for basketball reasons, but just like, do you get scared off by this? And I think it's kind of a telling takeaway for me, and part of why I'm conflicted is Kyrie's got a generation of disciples coming. Like Lonnie spoke willing to go that deep into it. I think it's true because Lonnie just spoke like, Hey, we get how he's capitalizing it. He's making himself so much more famous by doing this. Like the weirdness stuff, who cares about the repercussions of whether teachers or there's a backlash or Adam Silver saying, you know, I don't believe the earth is flat and all that. Yeah. He's just like, whatever, just be, you go do it. And I think, we're only getting started. I think that this is going to be a trend. I'm I don't calling want it. It's that coming. To be true. But I don't want it to be. be right. You look, might be right. I, I'm saying I this you. out of pure fear in my heart. Okay. I think it's coming. You know me. I like reality. I like facts. And I was confronted with a whole different world. Uh, you know those stories where like the New York Times writers will go to like Ohio and they'll just like interview some random. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt, uh, and because. He has just different perspective. And San Antonio, I guess to their credit, it's just like we can work with it, you know, and maybe they'll just clamp him down yeah, and they'll say you can't say anything. Kawhi didn't say a word
0: for like five years yeah. and
1: turned into an MVP candidate.
0: So I I as far as Lonnie Walker, like the character, yeah. uh I was rolling my eyes for two reasons. Number one, I'm I'm I've had it with the like fake news conspiracy bullshit. Yeah. I just can't deal with it right now. And then also, it did feel like he was a little bit too in on all of the jokes and understood it and was playing it and exploiting it. And I I was just like, I don't know. And I I felt the same way about Joel Embiid for the first couple years of his career. Like, he was just too in on all of it. Um, But he
1: is genuinely hilarious. and, And this is what I would say. My takeaway is not only is that Lonnie in on it, but Kyrie is in on it so much more. And we already thought. know and we knew he was in on. Well,
0: it. what's funny, though, is Kyrie is in on it, but then also like doesn't appreciate that it really is unbecoming of someone as famous as he is. Like, it's yeah. one thing for Lonnie Walker, but like Kyrie is a top 10 player in the league or at least is treated that way. And should not be talking like that.
1: So it is what it is. To be clear, I don't know if anyone should be talking like that. And like when I was writing. It's funny when you're a
0: 19 year old kid. It's less funny when you're like a 28 year old face of a franchise.
1: Agreed. And I think it's also, you know, when you're a 19 year old kid that people are going to want jerseys autographed and take pictures with them, you know, once he gets to the team, like there's a different level of responsibility. (laughs) This this has all gone to such a weird place. (laughs) No, I think it's a really important conversation to have, man. I I, I really do. Because I, I agree. I think more and more of this is coming because okay. it does sell and it's like I mean people will a comparison might be like Levar Ball and how outlandish he is or the Kardashian effect on you know pop culture and stuff like that. I think you know we see it in politics, we see it in entertainment, we see it in music. Now we're seeing it in sports. This is just where it's going and we have to get used to it.
0: I hear you. Um and in a basketball context what I would say about Lonnie Walker to the Spurs is that he, I, I was positive after reading your profile, <laughs> I was positive that he was going to go to the Wizards. He had a lot of kind of Nick Young, uh Kelly Oubre vibes to him, Gilbert. a little bit of Iman Shumpert as well. And which is the hair, but also kind of his game too. And so what I would say is that if you put some of those guys on the Spurs, I think they would have turned out to be really good players. I think if Iman Shumpert had come up in San Antonio, they would have turned him into like the best possible version of himself. And so uh, I think that's what's possible with Lonnie Walker. So he is definitely a winner going to a team like the Spurs, even if he did slide like seven or eight spots down the board.
1: He's also very young. I think he needs to work on his body a little bit. And, and shot selection,
0: yeah. which will come in San Antonio.
1: Um, yeah, I know. That was one of the funnier moments from the whole week when I was talking to his agent, and I was like, well, what are his weaknesses? And the guy's just like, look, he's got to stop taking stupid shots. <laughs> it's like, that is the kind of honesty I seek. Yeah.
0: Um, well, speaking of the Wizards... I was prepared for the worst tonight.
1: No, you were not just prepared for the worst. Let's really set this table, Andrew. I mean, you were losing your mind. You yeah. were doubled up on we the talked chair.
0: To, yeah, we talked about the Michael Porter <laughs> close call. <laughs> 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 that was what... I mean, the, and that was actually a scenario that I hadn't even conceived going in. I was prepared for Ernie Grunfeld to trade 15 entirely just yeah. to get out from under the Gortat contract, which... I mean, Gortat, like... I understand he's making a lot of money, but he's an expiring deal, which theoretically should have value. And he can also, he can play like, he's not a total nothing. He's not Mahinmi yet. Um, So I hope that they can still move that deal and, and free up some space later in the summer. But all of which is to say, Troy Brown is fine. Troy Brown from Oregon is a guy that I liked. I had on my personal big board, I think he was like 15 or 16. Um, He's, not where he needs to be as a shooter, but athletically, he kind of is exactly what you want as a as a wing in the modern NBA. He's very young, and uh, there's a lot of room to grow there. Not gonna really help next year, which is, you know, I have mixed feelings about because I feel like John Wall at best has another two or three years before like his body really starts to go and it gets pretty dark. So I would have liked someone who could come in and contribute sooner than Troy Brown will, but... It wasn't the worst pick in the world, which is what I expected.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. You're way too negative here, Andrew. I think you need to write – You know, you need to, glasses half full. You avoided all of your worst case scenarios. They didn't randomly trade a pick. You need players, you know, yeah. on the bench. The point is the bar is low. For yeah. The well, right what now. I'm saying is you need to build on this positive momentum here and you need to log on to Instagram and watch all of John Wall's workout videos because the man, <laughs> man is putting in work, Andrew. And. I can't say we've seen that in the past uh, in the past off seasons. The daily grind that he's up to this summer. He's out to prove a point.
0: I'm used to John Wall looking pretty bloated in the handful <laughs> of uh, it's it it all goes to his face every time I see a picture of him in the summer. So I'm glad to hear that. I haven't I don't follow John Wall on Instagram, but it's encouraging. Re- I can
1: exclusively report that by by, <laughs> by supposed- watching his Instagram stories.
0: <laughs> he looks good. Okay, good for him. Um yeah. I guess,
1: yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. I mean, Bulls and Knicks, do we have takes? I Not, not really. Do you think their fans might go home a little disappointed? I mean... Not necessarily the star power, just like the name recognition factor that you'd want from that the big market. I mean, and that's
0: actually something that's true with the Wizards as well. Uh, Troy Brown, yeah, but nobody not cares gonna about move the, the, the needle locally. I think like the Caps just want a Stanley Cup. I don't, Andrew, I don't know if there's ever sound, been a time when people care less about the Wizards. Okay, than you than know right what now. you sound
1: like right now? You sound like Michael Porter Jr. putting him in the same conversation as Giannis and KD. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> we're talking about markets and fan bases. We're talking about the Knicks and the Bulls, yes, you're not right. the Wizards. Wizards. The Wizards
0: are Jeff Green. The Knicks <laughs> N- and Bulls are KD and Giannis. Um
1: look, that might be a good place to wrap.
0: Oh, right. yo, how about how about DiVincenzo to Milwaukee? Yeah, I like it.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I I think to me it felt like Coach Bud looking at his roster and being like best shooter. We just need whatever shooter we can find, right? Yeah. And, you know, to space around Giannis. We've talked about how they need to modernize the offense. We've talked about how they uh, you know, need to get more versatile lineups, interchangeable lineups. You know, they got into some situations where it was just like Giannis, Middleton, and three scrubs. Like, that was their best five for yeah. basically the entire playoffs. I don't know if he's going to be like an instant impact guy, uh, but he fills their most obvious need. And he also kind of fills you, – you can kind of see him in a coach-bud type system. Right? Yeah,
0: this is another guy where the bar is so low in Milwaukee – like he's not gonna be Rashad Vaughn and I feel like that alone makes it a win for the Bucks. Um I the only other guy that I was thinking about for Milwaukee would have been Kevin Herter, who is kind of he's he's giving off some Joe Ingalls vibes to me. And granted like most of the guys who look like Joe Ingalls are never athletic enough to really matter and hang in the NBA and maybe that'll be the case with Herter. But um but yeah, absent that and and surrounding Giannis with like a dead eye shooter then DiVincenzo is is a nice little gamble for them. We'll see how it goes. And the Bulls, the Bulls and Knicks, here's the thing. Wendell Carter is really good and I wish he would have been able to play next to Porzingis. I feel like he has, Wendell Carter has a lot of the same weaknesses that Lowry Markinen has and uh, I don't Really like that theoretical front court pairing.
1: Um, are they thinking inside, outside? Is that the idea? Like Maybe. You just kind of like pound Carter on the block and then, you know, you, you've got room for Lowry and they kind of play off each other. Is that the idea? Well,
0: yeah. And they're both slow <laughs> and not good on defense and just going to get lit up. Perfect. <laughs> not to mention Zach Levine on the perimeter and Kevin Knox. I'm not a Kevin Knox fan. I, other people are. So maybe the Knicks were smart. But I, he just talk about slow. Like that dude has lead feet.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of why I feel like maybe their fan base is our losers tonight. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: and you know what? This is the same way we ended
1: last year's podcast. So. The same way we've ended every <laughs> podcast the last fifteen years. <laughs> that happens. I mean,
0: oh, uh, all right. Well, another draft podcast is in the books, and Ben, you have to write. I have to go to a wedding where my my wife Alice, her sister, is getting married. So, er, I have a very early morning tomorrow.
1: Let's wrap it there. I will okay. talk to you next week. Hey, guys. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Openfloormail at gmail.com. We want your hottest takes. Try to top mine saying life is a series of screens and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> drone girlfriends Honestly, or whatever else. if anyone
0: wants to transcribe
1: exactly <laughs>
0: how weird Ben got at various points in this podcast. Send uh, it
1: in. It's a credit to Lonnie Walker. He's already making an impact in the league. So send your emails to openfloormail at gmail.com. And Andrew, I also wanna tease something. We got an incredible email that we're gonna read uh, from one of our legendary Open Floor listeners. One of the most, I would say, impactful, if that's a word, or just- Iconic. Iconic characters in the Open Floor Globe universe. I'm not gonna spoil who it is. Uh, I'm not gonna say his or her name but I want everyone to just think on that because next week we're coming back with one of the greatest emails we've ever gotten from one of our favorites. But Andrew, people can go to Apple Podcasts, find our page, it's open floor, search, just type in those two words, scroll down, hit rate and review, tap five stars. It's just that easy. Vote for us like you vote for your Postmates or your Uber delivery guys. Andrew, until next week, I've had more than enough of you, so <laughs> I will talk to you. All right, take it easy.
0: Another great addition of Open Floor is in the books. Did you know Locked On has a daily podcast for all 30 NBA teams? If you're a Lakers fan, search Locked On Lakers. A Celtics fan, search Locked On Celtics. Warriors fans, search Locked On Warriors. Yes, all 30 NBA teams have a daily bite-sized podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Search on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for Locked On, your favorite team. Or tell your smart speaker to play podcasts Locked on your favorite team. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.